the foodie who ain't bougie. I'm the foodie who ain't bougie. Foodie who ain't bougie. And you're now on the kitchen couch. Yup, the kitchen couch. We're chilling on the kitchen couch right now. Shit, big homie. The big kitchen. Hello? Yeah, what up? What's up, fam? How you doing it? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Man, I'm just uh, <clears throat> doing my third episode of my podcast, so I'm just trying to hit up some people that have some interesting uh, perspectives on whatever. Uh, give me your favorite foods and your favorite foods places and just whatever topics you want to talk about. <clears throat> I have a couple topics, too, and you can promote whatever if you're rapping or clothing or whatever you got. So, you know, what's on your mind? You got any anything that's, like, kind of been anything political, anything, like... Oh, man, this is, uh, right now, man, really this fashion shit, man. This, this, this clothing shit, man. That's definitely the, the, my wave right now. I see, you know, and besides the music and going with the music, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of shit going on with the, uh, with the fashion, you know what I'm saying? Right and wrong. Okay. So what's your fat? What's your fashion line called? <clears throat> uh, it's called Flaffe. It stands for Females Love and Fellas Envy. Okay. And, uh, the meaning behind it is, uh, you know, females are more tending to, more likely to compliment, you know, a dude wearing some fly ass shit versus a male looking at a dude and being like, oh man, you got on some fly shit, dude, dude. Where you get that from? You know, they they more more or less will envy you, you know. Okay. But on the inside, they really would, you know. And envy is all we all know is associated with real hate, and hate has to come from love. So they go in the same. So that's why I call it females love and fellas envy. Okay. So where you where are you from, pimp? I'm from California. I'm from the. Uh, I was born in Seaside, Monterey. Okay, I'm from Seattle. I think we we met on the Hound when we was. We smoked in, um, what was it? We was, like, in some random fucking place in Oregon, and we, like, pulled up Salem or something, and we, like, smoked a blunt. We were in, uh, Oregon, I believe. Yeah, it was somewhere in Oregon, we was just like, yo, let me smoke this blunt real quick. With all that fucking snow. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm a chef, so I just... You know, I try to get like different people's perspectives on things, and like, you know, what? So, so, what do you think of this whole Donald Trump thing? Are you just, are you, what, like, how you, how do you feel about that? Are you saying what? Say that again. What? How do I feel about the Donald Trump shit? Like Donald Trump and his staff, and like the politics going on right now. I mean, me personally, I really never really paid attention to that shit. Don't get me wrong, it is important to know that shit, you know? Right. It is. I got people that be on my line all the time. I got homeboys that be like, hey, man, you need to get on that. But <clears throat> me, I just <clears throat> don't keep up on it as much as I should, you feel me? So I really don't have no real perspective. I mean, Donald Trump, to me personally, is an asshole. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows that. Right. Right. <laughs> That's... I mean, that. Yeah, outside of that, politics, 
I think sometimes that that could actually benefit you because you are more focused on what you're doing and less focused on what other people are doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. Cause like so like I feel like sometimes I like I like uh <clears throat> I'll be focused on some shit that I should be focused on, and then I'll hear some shit break out in the news, <clears throat> and I'm like fuck, kind of gets me down a little bit. But at least you're like fuck it, I'm still just gonna keep grinding. Who gives a fuck? Right. See that's the thing, you know, and and, and, and that's why I kind of don't really. I'm not a TV head, man. Believe it or not, I don't really watch TV too much. I mean, I, I'll bust down and watch a TV show here or two or there, but <clears throat> mainly at the time, I'm just trying to in tune with trying to get successful, you know, taking care of my family, trying to take care of the shit, you know, and, you know, obtain goals. Well, I mean, when we're sitting up watching TV, we're, we're watching, it is a peaceful, you know, 15, 20 minutes, but at the same time, you're watching some people that are successful. So if you're not watching nothing educational or getting no development and growth in your mind on something that's trying to get you focused on your goal, you know what I'm saying? What's the purpose of watching other people make money? Right. Your money too. Right. Amen. Amen. I feel that. I feel that. So, growing up in Cali, did you have a uh did you have any favorite food spots that you like to go to or any like food that like reminisce like make you remember of like like home? Well, I'm from I'm from California, but I was born in California, but I'm really from Tacoma. Oh, okay. Yeah, I Tacoma. Okay. Yeah, I rep Tacoma, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> my favorite spots out there, you know, the fish house on Hilltop, you know what I'm saying? You mean, everybody know about the famous fish house on, uh, <clears throat> off Hilltop. Okay. I, I, I've never been there. I, I mean, I'm from Seattle, so not that far away, but... Right. But uh, I'm from like like um, Beacon Hill area, so I grew up like by Chinatown and eating hella Chinese and Vietnamese and all that shit. So I, that's kind of like the food that brings me back. I love Vietnamese food. I just like fuck with it heavy. But like, so you say you the fish spot? Where is it? You said it's on a hilltop. Yeah, it's on a hilltop. Is it like? I'm smoking right now, so I really could. Oh shit, I'm smoking and drinking at the same time, so I really couldn't give you exact GPS location. Of it, but it's, <laughs> it's on the fish house. Okay. It's on Hilltop. You could Google it. You know what I'm saying? Hey. It sucks because I mean, I've eaten there more than like once, twice, three times, and I should know exactly what street. But you know, right now I'm not. I'm on some other shit. Right, right. Well, you don't got to describe, uh, you don't got to describe where it is, just describe what it is, like, what's bomb about it. Yeah, it's a southern, it's like a southern mom and pop spot, you know what I'm saying? They serve, you know, the, you get collard greens, you green beans, your cornbread, hot water cornbread, stuff like that, you know? Okay. I definitely got to go fuck with that off top. Fish, you know, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it, actually, it's more than good. You know, I've been there a couple of times. The homies. Okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, get some of the perspective also of, like, different uh, spots to eat at. Because that's, like, that's my shit. I like to, like, review places. Especially small business. That's, like, really what I'm into is, like, mom and pops. That small little <laughs> hole in the wall. And it usually always has yeah. the best food. And compared that's to exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. That's the fish house on the hilltop. Exactly. 
kind of spot it is. And I feel, feel like a southern spot, you know? Okay. Yeah, I I ain't really been to the south too much, but I I have been through Texas and I kind I I got some of the feeling, but I was in the white people's town. I wasn't in the, like Houston or nothing. You was in Houston? <laughs> no, I was in like Dallas. Oh shit, I lived in Dallas, man. But I, I was lived in uh, Arlington. Oh okay, was is Arlington? Yeah, I stayed up there for like like nine years, man. Is it does it have a black community there? Oh yeah, it got a black community. Arlington, it's got black community. You know what I'm saying? You got Arlington, you got Duncanville, you got Cedar Hill, you got Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff is where the hood is. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 basically like that's the hood of, of Dallas area. Oh okay. I would. Cliff, you know. I don't know where I was, but I remember just driving through and I couldn't find a food. I was downtown and I was kind of by like. What is that place that's hella bomb? Um, it's that fast food chicken joint. Uh, not, it's not chicken express. No, 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 no. It's um, it's a burgers. Oh no, it's not burgers. Ah, what is it? It's the best fast food joint. I can't remember what it's. I gotta look at my Instagram real quick. <laughs> I'm fucking keyed as fuck. But it's all over the south. Um, all over the south. Oh, oh, Chick Fil A. No, no, not Chick Fil A. I can't fuck with Chick Fil A, honestly. They're on some other shit. Is the chicken, chicken spot? You say? No, I don't. I think it's burgers. I want to say it's burgers. Okay. Um, they have the chicken and gravy biscuit sandwich. Oh, uh, here it is. What a burger! Oh, what a burger! Oh man! Oh man! Oh the shit! Yeah, yeah, man. Many occasions I didn't hit water burger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, water is the shit. Yeah, that man, cause it's like you know I grew up, well, you grew up in the Northwest too, so you know like Wendy's and McDonald's and Jack in the Box. They just can't fuck with Whataburger, really though. Oh no, oh no, they can't. Yeah. So. That's one thing I'm missing from the South. Well, yeah, that and it, even though people say it's more racist in the South, it seems like people are. <laughs> They're more, also more hospitable, too. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a weird balance, because, like, some of the most racist people will be, like, the nicest to you. It's like, you, but you, but, like, if you go to the the rural-ass towns, that's where it's, like, crazy. But in the big cities, like, still people are just, or even outside the big city, people are just generally, like, whatever. Take your money and go, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they're not really tripping on like, oh, oh, blah, blah, blah. They're just like, oh, hey, thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> so, exactly. So how do you feel, like, what do you feel about, like, fashion, what it is today? Like, you got all these rappers like Young Thug and, like, I'm not even going to put ASAP Rocky because I fucks with ASAP, but, like... Young Thug and Uzi Vert and all these weird fashion that's coming out. Like, how do you feel about that? I mean, <clears throat> the good. I got, I got good. I got good vibe about it, and I got a bad vibe about it. I come from an era, you know. I'm an '80s baby. I was born in '84. You know what I'm saying? So I was, I was a '90s kid, you know. Our era was, you know, creased up jeans, you know what I'm saying? Nike Cortez, you know, the, 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 every time Nike bust out a, a, a brand new Nike, you know what I'm saying, or a basketball shoe, 
we was on that. The Penny Hardaways, the you know what I'm saying, the Sean Kemp, Shaquille O'Neal, the Grant Hills. You know what I'm saying, the, uh, all those type deals. You know what I'm saying, the, and, and, and you couldn't wear those jeans. You couldn't wear those type of basketball shoes with no skinny things. You know, it just didn't look right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't the. It, it was like you were a, you were a geek on some weirdo shit. You know, you were you were you were, you were from Portland. <laughs> right. State of the weird shit. Right. Shout out to Portland. You know, they they got some weirdos out there. But anyway, but yeah, it's a it, it, it's a good and a bad thing. I look at it, man. It's like for the ones that are comfortable in their skin, or you know, deep within, they want to dress in some comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Shit. And be swagged out. You know, you got the jogging suits. You got the sweatsuits. You know what I'm saying? That wave is back in, you know, because at first it, it died out. You know, then they just tapered it up with the jogger suits and everything like that, you know? Right. Everybody used to have the ones back in the day, the starter, you know what I'm saying? The starter pullover jackets and the zip-ups, you know? that's my that, that was my style. That was everybody's style. But... I say that to say the least, it's just like, I say it's a good thing because it's like, it's a new wave for the new kids. It's a new fashion for them. Not all the kids are the same. Like, you got diverse kids. You got these emo kids. You got these rock kids. You got these, everybody has their different flavors. So it's like free now to just dress how you want to be and not look weird. Yeah. Whereas now, back in the day, when you could wear shit like that, you'd get beat up. <laughs> now, now, it's like, okay, you can still wear your old school shit and bust down and with your creased up jeans and shit like I was mentioning earlier and still get your props and still be reputable and be like known as a, okay, he's an older dude. He's not on no new wave shit and he's still fresh. So it's like both ways, you know? Right. Yeah, see, I grew up in, I grew up in, uh, I was born in 91, so like a 90s, 2000s, turn of the millennium. I guess, and, like, I was, I did have, like, it was weird, because, like, I did have, like, an emo phase and all that, but then, like, somebody was like, nigga, you're black, you can't just be doing it like that, and so I was like, okay, grew out of that shit pretty quick, but I I was, like, kind of like a skater, just, like, I I rocked, like, kind of tight jeans, but not, like, that tight, like, they were, like, loose-fitting, you know, I wasn't trying to, like... I needed something I could walk around in and be skating in all day. Like, I wasn't trying to, like, suffocate myself or nothing, you know? and, and, and Exactly. And, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying about the wave. You know what I'm saying? The skater pants, they got more tighter. Because then, like, you know, the kids that's wearing it, it's a reason behind it. It's a fashion now, but there was a reason behind those jeans for the dudes. Just like, bro, I got to skate. I can't be tripping over the hill of my fucking skates, getting caught in my chucks and ripping up my shit, busting my ass. Right. So I understand that. I understand that way. Right. And it's like when fashion comes out, you know, half our fashion comes from overseas, man. You know, we see some shit in Italy and, 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 and Japan and Korea and Germany and all that shit. And they bring that shit over here and then they flop it up and they do all that shit, you know? Hmm. That's so it's like really no, no authentic, reputable clothing line to me that has just made a super big impact but like like FUBU did when it hit. You remember when FUBU hit? Right. It's funny that I say FUBU, but when it hit, it blew. They, they got money. That man has money off of FUBU. Like, it's not cracking no more, but, you know, you, you, you can't see nobody in no FUBU right now and be like, oh, that shit is hard. Well, no, I mean, I, I think now, if you saw somebody now, like, 
2017. Like, maybe, like, 2015, you'd be like, yo, that's kind of corny. But 2017, you're now like, wow, you got the FUBU jersey. Like, fuck, I used to have... <laughs> Right. patches and stuff like that? Um, I have connections and shit like that where people do patches and shit for me. Oh, okay. That's the the wave I'm trying to push behind my clothing line. I'm not trying to just be stingy with what my connection is. You know, my goal is to just have all the fashion in one. You know, everything that's waving is going to be underneath my clothing line, whether it be females you know the past jackets and everything I want to be that person that you can go to and just be like okay you can get that gun at that spot at that hip you know yeah I'm trying to open up a boutique okay okay uh, are you trying to uh, do that in the uh, Tacoma area or are you trying to do yeah, it I'm online or you could do it online you know there's Amazon and eBay and uh, like what's the other one Etsy uh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, a couple other ones too. I know there's one specific for clothing too. But there's, yeah. Yeah, man, there's a lot of marketplace online to do it too. You know, it's just, it's getting models. That's, I mean, I'm sure you got, you got plenty of models. I'm sure you can just right, right. Hit, hit a couple up. Without modelship for free, it's just like you know, photography and get my own equipment. You know, that's another thing too, man. It's I, I probably. <clears throat> Anybody that's trying to do their own shit, I, I commend them to save money by buying your own equipment. You know, you might not know how to take no fucking pictures, but you might know somebody that's out there that doesn't have the money for a camera might know how to take pictures. So if you have their, you have the equipment and you just be like, okay, you might bump into somebody that has a good enough talent to use your equipment on you, and then so they're making money and you're making, you're getting shit free because they're using your equipment. Right, right. It's a, it's a. Now, t- like that's called branding yourself. You are your own brand. Your name, like, like the web kitchen. That's you. You, you are your brand. You know. So. Yeah. No. Yeah. My brand is the the kitchen couch, and I'm trying to like, um, be be a person of color, uh, for. Uh, a person of color for these cooking networks because there's none on there and it's like a very like when they explain food they they give it this like flowery ass vocabulary and you know i've made all these fancy ass foods that you see like crazy plates and you know plating 200 dishes and all types of stuff like that i've done all that but it's funny because the people that make those foods are the least bougie generally and the best kitchen best people in the kitchen are the people are the have-nots not the haves you know what i'm saying like the have-nots are like just like kind of like rappers too it's just like certain rappers it's like 
you don't want to hear, like, if, like, you like rappers when they stay in their lane, like, if you're about being open-minded, then be open-minded, you can't go back and then be closed-minded, or if you're a thug, like, a real-ass thug, you're not gonna be like, okay, well, now, you know, I'm gonna go on some Drake shit. Yeah, or 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 even vice versa. You can't go from being soft to being a thug either. You just kind of gotta like stick to you know. And there is such a thing as evolution. I think Snoop Dogg's pretty good. He's one. His lyrics are whatever, but generally he's like, yeah, you know, I was a crip or whatever, and now I'm kind of like a grown ass man. Like I'm still kind of like connected, but. You know, I'm still like also a grown ass man too, so I I like that kind of evolution. Right, 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 exactly. Being irreparable, being your having your face talk still good, where you're being irreparable and being able to still be active and do what you need to do. Right. Like E42. E40. You know what I'm saying? Like E42. It's like you know he's pushing the wave. Man, 40s and 40s over 40. Yeah. I'm. So yeah. who's to say that a person that's 30, 32, 34 can't get in the rap game and be successful? They're making it seem like. When you're, you can't, you have to have a certain age limit. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that too. What is a certain age limit on a rapper? That, you know, like, they try to make you seem like, if you're 40, you shouldn't be rapping. No, and I, that's funny, because I was listening to this podcast today, and it, that was the topic, and it was like, you know, my favorite rapper, it would, it would have to be between E-40 Jada Kiss and the Jacka, like a three oh, yeah. three way tie. Oh, yeah. So I'm like yeah. kind of, and they're all clearly like forty and up. So it's like, yeah. well, Jacka was like thirty six when he died or something like that. But it was like, R.I.P. But it was like, you know, I I'd say E forty is my all around favorite just because. Well, yeah, E forty because he he's branded himself. Yeah, and the way he, like, he's not just a rapper. He's just that guy. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I like Jada Kiss for his bars. I would choose Jada, like, bars over. And then Jacko just for being, like, hella real. And, like, I don't know. You know. So it's kind of hard. It's, like, literally a three-way. But since 40 is just still doing it and still just out here at the Warriors games, just, ah, what's up? Like. Big old chain was nothing like, <laughs> and he's got his own alcohol, which is crazy. It's like, have you ever thought about like branding out to like? So you're doing fashion and uh, music. Have you, have you thought about branding out to something else? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And uh, the whole flotation is going to be something bigger than. I'm trying to make it bigger than you know what I'm saying. Just, just the clothing. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like that. I want to. I want to design. You know what I'm saying? Other shit. You know, I'm, I'm furniture. You know what I'm saying? On some other shit, some retro furniture. I always had a, like a mind for that shit. You know, weird ass, crazy retro ass furniture, functional furniture. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. You know, the the art scene. You know what I'm saying? Just putting money into that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a lot of shit I really wanted to want to do with with the brand, the name behind it, like. Boutique can go like go like global, you know what I'm saying, and, and mobile. I wanted to do like a mobile boutique too, to where you know what I'm saying like, you know, we got cats sometimes that's getting ready to go out to the club and might fucking spill some stuff on their shirt, or you know what I'm saying like that. And if we have mobile spots to just sell tees and we're open all night, you know what I'm saying, just a quick little 
jump off, you can just stop right there, and we pull up by the club, or you know what I'm saying? Because it's always that one dude that, you know what I'm saying, gets drunk and spills all over your shit. You don't have no time to go back home, or a club that's like, hey, you can't get in because of those shoes. You sell some plain black dress shoes to get you in the club and get your ass on, you know? Right. You know, just, just that would be that would be lit. That would be lit. That would be some shit. Could, that, I, no. Yeah, and it's that's offering, that. That would be. Inside sh- of it too, it would be offering like a shoe cleaning service. You know what I'm saying? Separate. If you was walking downtown and you know, fuck, fuck my shits up real quick. Oh, there's some more. You know, me hop on that bitch real quick and just three little four or five dollars or something like that. We just get those clean real quick and you can get on your way. Right. You know? Right, and that you know what I like that idea because it's that's strictly for the culture. I could see a couple. I could see white people using it, but initially it would be all black people until the white person actually caught caught on to it. It would be strictly for the culture, and then and then white people would be like, "Ah, oh, this is actually kind of dope." Like, <laughs> yeah, I like that. So hey, uh, let them know where we can find you at. Find me on Facebook, man. Uh, Big the Slick, B I C, uh, you know, space D A S L I C K. You know what I'm saying? Big the Slick, Big the Slick. Okay. And, uh, I'm on Instagram. You know, I'm Sir Slick Big S I R S L I P K B I C. That's on Instagram. Uh, my Fly Bay Clothing Line page. That's on Instagram. I'm in mean, uh, Facebook too. It's a Flafe, F-L-A-F-E, clothing company, and uh, rather, you, it's going to pull up as soon as you see it. It's follow, follow both of them, you know what I'm saying? I got like two, three pages. They all are different. They, I do you know, different things on each one of them, but yeah, you can find me on there, man. Okay. Hey man, I'm gonna get at you later. You you got some you got some 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 knowledge, and so I'm a, uh, I'm gonna definitely have you have you on another one of these podcasts. So, man, thanks for participating. Sure, man. Sure, sure. All, right, All right, man. man. Appreciate it. Tap in with me. Credits to my man Victor Slick for the interview. Thank you, bro. Song credits go to Schooly D. Song title: Living in the Jungle. What up, y'all? It's the foodie who ain't bougie, and I'm out here working. I'm back at it again. How you feeling? How you doing? What's going on? Yeah, that's right. You hear banging in the fucking background. You know why? Because this shit is done on a fucking iPhone. And you know what? I don't give a fuck because I'm going to give it to you straight, raw, uncut. Right. <clears throat> so, man, this week was a crazy week. It's always been a crazy week. Fighting a case. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, I fucking, in the kitchen, uh, we had, we're having a kind of a, what would you call it? Disagreement? No. Conversations. We're having conversations about wages right now because I know I've been in this industry for like, you know, 10 years. Excuse me. There's a. There's a whole lot that I can't do 
There's a whole lot of things that I don't know. There's a whole, or excuse me, <laughs> a whole lot of things I don't know. There's not many things I haven't worked with before. Uh, working at this new place, there are a couple things that I haven't worked for before, but it makes sense. It's not that far-fetched, you know. And a lot of the things I have worked with before, so it is what it is, but you know, shouts out to the restaurant <clears throat> holding it down, you know, give me that money when I need it. I can guarantee it, you know, and it's cool because I remember being a youngin and fighting my way up from the dish pit. Motherfuckers was always like, nah, nigga, stay your ass in the fucking dish pit. And I'm like, yo, I'm trying to cook. I got interests. What's up? You know? I don't want to just be sitting in the dish pit. I always wanted to, you know, move up. <clears throat> Prepping, whatever. Waiting, serving. Only thing I haven't done is bartending. But I could bartend. I bet you I could find a job doing it. I probably should, but, you know, that's the struggle. And that, I mean, that comes with the... I'm going to say it comes with a little bit of the white privilege, too, but uh, playing against me. Um, but I'm not a victim to this shit, you know? I feel like now um, I'm going to definitely stop playing into that narrative. I, I think the right roles will start to find me, and the right characters will come around me, white, black, Asian, Mexican, gay, straight, whatever. They're going to surround me and... They're going to come to me, you know, or we'll cross paths at some point. And, you know, obviously I'm a heterosexual male, but we will create a network. And eventually this little podcast that you're hearing right now will not be on an iPhone. It will be in a nice studio. It might be working with the loudspeaker network. It might be working with, you know, Joe Budden or Action Bronson. Shout out to Ghostface, though, because I don't really fucks with Action Bronson. But Viceland, you know, I might be working with Jesus and Miro. I might be working with somebody. So just, you know, word to me. But anyway, so I, I try to come up in the dish pit. Niggas is like, yo, cause stay your ass in the dish pit. And I'm like... Nah, I'm trying to learn something. What's up? What's up? You know, and a lot of times, too, I would get angry if we were... Before my career, this wouldn't be a discussion. This would be a hateration and a holleration in the dancery. I swear. I would be like, look, motherfucker, if you ain't, try <clears throat> if you ain't trying to pay me, then I got to leave. And I, I walked out on so many jobs. Shit, I'm 25 probably had like 30 jobs now doing all types of shit shit I could have been a used car salesman selling security systems nah I ain't did, those are two jobs I haven't done but you know I've interviewed for a lot of different jobs I, I interviewed to work with Yellow Cab shit I worked at Aeropostale for one, one month anyways I'm just ranting right now cause I'm key I'm keyed up. It's just been a long week, but I try to keep my head on positive and.
with do they have any type of sound um sound policy or sound solution behind what it is that they want to do and, um, right that's so in in um you know introducing stories and stuff pertaining to these things i also um do my best to um provide ways that we can be a service we can be a great service to those just within our our own sphere of influence that we have within our community or just within the people that we constantly hang around so right right and yeah so you're you're basically just being a big brother out there for for younger folks and and being kind of a shoulder to to let people know that you know you're not alone and 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 we all have these kind of uh instances not just with the police but you know with random white supremacist racist of all colors um like you know for instance i remember uh being about 15 14 and i was catching the bus and i was being stupid and i was tagging right and like a little sharpie or something or a sticker put a sticker down and i got stopped by the police and i had a knife on me and they 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 whooped me up pretty good and you know it kind of it was before the eric garner and i was like i can't breathe you know they got their their knee in my neck and like three other police officers and they weren't even police well Two of them were, and one of them was, like, a security guard. And it was, like, I I luckily got out of that. You know, they probably like, oh, shit, he's 15. Like, you know, so I was I was lucky to get out of that. But also that experience kind of led me to believe that if you're of a certain color in a certain place, you, you are not privileged enough to, to speak to the police, let alone speak to them how white people do, <laughs> you know. Um you know, you can't say, hey, hold on, wait a second. Hey, give me a second. Hey, I'm an actual human being. I have a voice. And I think a lot of people just kind of sit back and they, you know, I, I, for one, kind of fall into this group and I need to fall less, but just like posting stuff. Instead of posting, I need to be out here doing stuff too. And so that's kind of why I created this kitchen couch thing. Um, you know, it's a culinary, uh, from a culinary perspective, but col- but culinary is what brings all these random ass people to the table. So it's kind of like a tr- trick a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll sit you down, get a bunch of people with some food, talk about some food, and then we can kind of really discuss what's going on, you know, because everybody's eating. So, you know, Muslims, white, white supremacists, Christians, whatever you want to say, you know, Filipinos, we're all eating. We all have to eat, and so I try to pick that because we all have something in common, and I'm also kind of blessed to be skilled at cooking, so I think that's an interesting um, interesting take on it, and so I'm trying to raise awareness that way, but also give people opportunity because right now the one thing we're lacking is opportunity. You know, we have the $1 trillion buying power, and that... that People say, oh, that's not that much, and it isn't that much, but if you, if we're buying for more black business or supporting or working with or for more black business and the money's trickling through us more, one trillion turns into three, fifty, hundred, you know, it turns into much more than just that one trillion, you know, you just have to let it trickle, trickle amongst black business and we need to kind of 
because I think I think a lot of this race shit has to do with socioeconomics, not just like oh I'm black, obviously you know you don't see me like that, but I think it's socioeconomic because you don't see a lot of rich black people getting shot like this, you know. Um, and, and, you know, they see you riding in the bucket, you got your hood on, and I, there's no, exca- no excuse at all, but they're like, oh, clearly he's, you know, not of wealth, he might not have a lawyer, he might not, you know, and they take advantage of that shit, and so, you know, we, 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 need, to, we need to come together on that, and I, I also, there was a study found that, uh, that anybody... If you can't see somebody's eyes or their teeth, then you're automatically more suspicious. So whatever we have to do to, to, to take away from that mentality. So a lot of darker skinned men and women are being targeted by that. Because, you know, you look away, you see a person, but you can't see their eyes because they're darker skin. You can't see their teeth, you know, and they might have a hood on too, which uh, wearing a hood is completely normal. But from the from the so- sociological, you know, it's it's a fear, a lot of fear, and we just we just need to we need to just control this, and you know whether it means putting more lights out there, you know, if that's the simple explanation for it, shit, let's do it, let's get to it. But Is he? yeah, man. Um. So so growing up in Atlanta, uh, to change the subject, uh. What's the food culture like out there? Um, very, very, very southern soul food. Um, you tend to get a lot of, tend to get a lot of soul food restaurants, a lot of breakfast style restaurants. Actually, many people don't know this, but, um, Waffle House, um, the, the, the actual restaurant known as Waffle House, the very first Waffle House was built in Atlanta. Um, and so um, it's just that, you know, it's just that style of um, food culture out there. Also Chick-fil-A. Um, the very first Chick-fil-A was created in Atlanta as well. So, um, you know, two great restaurant staples, created there um but you know just the normal the normal more southern soul food than anything did that make you have like a more appreciation for for the food culture there uh are there a lot of black businesses like black owned restaurants actually yeah um we have um we have restaurants such as jj's rib shack um Hey, is Rip Shack's black owned? Um, it's a restaurant on the um, south side, south side of Atlanta, known as well, no, the west side of Atlanta, known as the Beautiful Restaurant, and that's a black owned restaurant that sells a lot, a lot of great soul food. Um, Gladys Knight, Gladys Knight and Ron Winans, um, chicken and waffles, based out of um, one, well, one of them is in Atlanta as well and um, just various other you know like little small black owned restaurant joints um Yassin's This Is It Barbecue and Seafood you know like you probably could just go on any corner on um in the Atlanta area 
and there's some sort of restaurant that's owned, um, black owned there as well. Um, but not just, you know, not just restaurants, but, you know, we have a lot of black owned bookstores, um, black owned, um, black owned dry cleaners, a few black owned hotels, um, there as well. Um, and that's, and that honestly is one of the initiatives that I'm really wanting to introduce within the community that I'm living in now. Um, and just one of the initiatives that I'm trying to follow myself, um, by buying black as well as, um, banking black. Um, I'm re- I'm now reading this book. It's called Our Black Year, um, by lady by the name of Maggie Anderson and in 2009 she started this experiment called the Ebony experiment where for one whole year she bought bought nothing but black owned um, products and she supported nothing but black owned businesses for the entire year Um, because she did research and found out that you know various um, various groups of people within the United States, you know, the dollar trickles out of their community within different times. I, I mean, di- yeah, different time periods. Like Asians, their the dollar trickles out of their community within 28 days. Um, um, Hispanics, theirs trickle out of their community within 17 days. Um, whites and Anglo white Anglo-Saxon community, they'll struggle out between six and seven days, um, but black people, ours, struggled out in six hours. Damn. Like, literally. Yeah. And, um, and it was funny that you brought up the, um, black community is one point, one trillion dollars, um, spending power. Well, the exact number in 2008 was 1.3 trillion dollars. Um, it was predicted by 2013 that number would go up to 2.1 trillion dollars, um, which it did. And at the time of 2008, when it was 1.2, if the black population in America, um, if Black America was an actual country um, we would be actual country or actual continent we would be the 14th largest country um, in terms of spending power in the world wow if it was an actual country um, and so by um by 2013, that rose and we became the 11th. Like if we were an actual country, it'd be the 11th largest country in terms of spending power in the world. God damn, that's um, that's you know that's a that's a woke fact. That's like those type of facts are more. I would say they're more beneficial to our community than how many blacks are killed by police. So we need to, you know, in addition to making people understand that police reform is 
you know, I've been trying, I've been pushing for police reform since 2015. You know, we haven't had, we haven't had an official police reform since the civil rights movement. And basically all they said was, hey, we can't kill them out in the open like that. We need reason to kill them, <laughs> you know? So you yeah, can't just, because yeah. before then you could just kill somebody and be like, hey, you know, they were in my way, <laughs> you know? And now you have to go, oh, well, they had a knife, they had a gun, they were, had a hoodie on, they were in a corner, dark corner, and I felt unsafe. And so, therefore, I, you know, but I think the, the talking back to the, the, the spending power, I think that's that's a beneficial because the more people are aware of that, the more they'll they'll bank black and they'll 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 buy black. They'll they understand that the socioeconomic needs to come first in our community. In my opinion, that needs to be the first thing because that's how the Jewish people, you know, that's how exactly how they got out of their oppressive state. You know, they were like, we're not going to let this happen again. So we're just going to, you know, buy in our community and spend in our community and go to our churches and we're going to just, you know, separate but equal. And I think if we kind of live a little bit more like that, we definitely could get out of this situation. You know, they would understand that we have our own community and, and they don't want to mess with our buying power. <laughs> but right. when when and, this... And what, I think the issue with that sometimes is, the issue with that sometimes though is that um, you have individuals even within our own community that will um, individuals within our own community or just other people um, within our own community uh, or just other communities that they'll immediately bring this up well why do we have to just you know buy from our own um, isn't that a form of segregation isn't that a form of racism and you know the answer that I give them all the time come in the answer that I give them come in the answer that I give them all the time is um, is that um, you know the problem with that is that it isn't it's just that you know all the other communities within this country they do the same thing you know, but at the moment that we decide that that's something that we want to do or that's something that it should be done, then the term racism or then the term segregation um, gets thrown out. It's not a way of, it's not a form of segregation. It's a form of empowering your community to do better. Because the thing about it is that people don't realize it, but um, white supremacy all they care about is money and all they care about is the best way for them to get that money um, by whatever means they have to take in order to get it no I agree with that and it's and yeah it, it's definitely of, you know being able to <laughs> utilize the money that we have in our community to support and to empower our people to place us in a better economic and a better social position within this country. Right. Because it boils down to money, essentially. It all boils down to, to classism, you know, because... <clears throat> and I, it's funny that you say segregate because, you know, people don't realize that, you know, even if we do buy it in our own communities, there's no way you're going to have to 100% be 
buying in your own communities, you know. We don't own gas stations, so, the, you know what I'm saying? There's got to be... that We don't own Chevy or Ford, you know. Uh, but it starts right there. It starts in the little things, the restaurants, the boutiques, the, the barber shops, and those are those are what we're known for, you know, so yeah. we need to... St- and even a situation like that, like within the book, Miss um, um, Maggie Anderson, she was discussing on how, yeah, you know, we don't own, we as black people, we don't own um, automobile, you know, automobile companies like, you know, your Chevys, your GMCs, your Fords, but there are people, there are black people who own, who actually own and operate Ford dealerships. Um, GMC dealerships, Chevy dealerships. So you find those people, and that's who you buy your cars from. So in turn, that money's still going into your community because you bought your car from somebody black. Um, fast food restaurants. We may not own fast food restaurants like McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's, but we as black people, we own franchises. To these restaurants and so what you do is you find black owned franchises within the cities that you live in or the cities that you're visiting and you go and patronize them because at the end of the day that money's still going back into your com- you know your community it's um you know it's ways of doing it like yeah we may not own we may not actually own the companies that you buy your groceries from, like say Kellogg's or you know Chiquita Bananas or you know Green Giant. Or Kroger. But there are black-owned grocery stores that you go and buy your groceries from. You know, um, these are just things that you have to think about, and you know a lot of products as well. They can get bought on the internet. Like I know of a black-owned detergent company. Right. Um, on on the internet, um, of course you know black on black on clothing, uh, black on office supplies, things of that nature. Like these are things that you know if you do enough research, if this is something that you're serious about and you do enough research, then you'll know and understand like oh, that's where I can get that from. It may cost it may cost a little bit more but in the long run the money's being placed back into your community and then it just keeps circulating and circulating and circulating so okay and like i mean these, these are things that's two two initiatives that's important to me for the um social and cultural empowerment of African American African American people and that's of course financial and economic empowerment and um combating the school to prison combating the school to prison pipeline um by providing quality education for our people whether through the public school system or whether by building our own schools that will you know, teach our kids the things that we know they need to be taught in order to be successful um, in society. So. That's interesting. Okay, so how how do you feel about the 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 culture in Pensacola? Um, you know, first I'm going to start with the food culture. 
how do you feel about the, the food culture and, and how is it different to Atlanta? Um, it's vastly different. Um, there is, there is a slight, slight food culture here. Um, it's more of, from what I've seen so far, it's more of a mainstream, um, food culture, but of course being within the Florida, Florida area and being within an area such as Pensacola that, um, matriculates a lot of, um, people who come from the islands, you get a lot of Caribbean food, um, Caribbean food restaurants that open here, um, as well as a full, uh, as well as, um, a few soul food restaurants also. Um, but the food culture here, um, is vastly different from Atlanta and that Atlanta would be more Southern soul food while here in Pensacola, you probably would have a little bit more of, like I said, Caribbean food or seafood. You got more um, island soul. Right, exactly. Just because we're so much more near, you know, the water, especially um, being near the Gulf of Mexico. How is it living, like, in in, in comparison to Atlanta? Um, it's, a, it's a huge culture shock. Just northwest, just northwest Florida, all together, um, is a culture shock in comparison to Atlanta. Um, Pensacola is a little bit better, though, compared to the last place that I was living in northwest Florida, which is Panama City, Florida. Um, Panama City, they... Um, Panama City, they honestly don't call it the Redneck Riviera for nothing. Um, and you can clearly see why. Whereas in Pensacola, Pensacola does have a growing, um, growing, um, cultural, cultural melting pot here. Um, it's still, of course, um, you know, and not gonna lie to you, it still has its moments of the good old boy system as I like to call it rearing oh, yeah. his ugly head but um, people of people of color can still find some sort of success here um, and it is a better cultural outlook um, here in Pensacola but um, being from a place like Atlanta where Atlanta is just quite possibly the southern, the, the the southern part of the United States. It's the southern black mecca, like literally. Um, being from there, and then coming to an area where things like that are starting are starting to grow, and it's just now starting to recently grow. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely a a culture shock. So. Yeah, I'm 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 not gonna lie to you. So Seattle, living in Seattle, I don't know if you've ever been up here or you know been in the Northwest. The culture here is is very interesting because obviously we only have about two to three percent black. Uh, last time I checked, it might be up to eight nine percent, but it's so small. You know, you you. You go outside and you rarely ever see brothers. Like, you do see some, and they're in some neighborhoods, like the neighborhoods I was raised in, obviously around predominantly Asian and black 
uh, mostly African um, of descent. But when you're, you know, you're walking around and and you're downtown Seattle, you're rarely, you're not going to find as many brothers walking around. So growing up, I thought that this city was very diverse. I thought that the city was very open-minded because you see the gay culture here thriving very, you know, and there is times where you do see a lot of, you know, violence against gays as well, but most likely people really respect and they understand the buying power of the gays um, here. And you could see it in a lot of communities, you know, raising flags and stuff because they know their money's good here too. So, but then you see, um, so you go to like Amazon, which, you know, Amazon started blowing up, you know, two, three years ago in, in Seattle, maybe even four years now. And you don't see that many blacks working there. They they import a lot of their people from China, a lot of them from India, and, you know, a lot of people, white people here. There is a couple of black people you do see, you know, it does bring a little bit, but you understand the hiring practices now. And so growing up here now and understanding, you know, what it was before and how it is now, it's so just strange because... You're also taught that like all these white people are, are liberal about everything. And right. oh, you know, Black Lives Matter and blah blah blah. But but you see we have a lot of fake liberalism when it comes to a lot of these issues. I see a lot of excuses, oh well they shouldn't have had this. Well, you know, I'm liberal about this, but and so it it's kind of crazy because you know, you see racism in the South, it's a lot like, fuck them, you know, slurs, and maybe even violent, more more active towards violence, and that's also because you guys are open carry down in the South, usually, so we're not open carry as much up here, um, but you see the, the change and the transition, and, uh, like, even, like, a lot of the black communities here are being bought out. Because it's expanding so much, and the low percent of high black employees amongst these big businesses are so low that you know they're 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 living out in the in the Kents and the you know thirty forty minutes outside of Seattle, and they're they keep getting pushed back. So the neighbor the one neighborhood that's that's been predominantly changed is the Central District, uh, a formerly called the Colored District, where it was it was actually separated. Um, where after 8 p.m. in the, you know, 70s and 60s, you had to be on a certain side of this of street. You had to be on the south side of, I think it was Yesler Street. It might even be Madison or something. And so, you know, they called, uh, they called it the Colored District or the Central District, whatever you want to prefer. And now that neighborhood is even being gentrified and bought out. And I think people need to understand, especially when it comes to, like, the hood and, and selling drugs and stuff. It's like, if you're going to do that, you at least got to put back into it and, and, and help and buy real estate. That's what I tell black people. Other than buying black, we need to buy real estate. That's That's our thing. We need to own lots of land, lots of, you know raw land or developments anything so that we can you know we can have a place to house our people and so it's just the whole culture here is just crazy because you don't see that like that that blatant racism you see a lot of subtle racism there's a lot of it 
a lot of it because nobody's gonna say oh, i hate you get out of here you know but people are gonna go oh well you know maybe if you didn't have your pants so baggy and just like little shit like that and it's just kind of like fuck sometimes i'm like i want to like move to the south to be more closer to my my people and also it kind of it creates like a huge there's like a huge class divide here too um even when it comes to blacks because there's no black middle class here so you only see like some rich brothers or some like homeless you don't really see just like oh i'm black live in a you know normal neighborhood i work a normal job blue collar you just don't see that and so it's hard to kind of even reach across that and be like hey you know you're speaking to some rich guy you know <laughs> and he's more aligning with with you know he's gonna he's gonna keep his job let's put it that way he's not gonna and so the culture here is so crazy because so we even when you try to go to a black owned restaurant there's maybe about 50 total black businesses in seattle and that's so low for all the money we have here that is very low so at the very least i at least try to go to a mexican restaurant or an asian owned and you know (laughs) try (laughs) But I think the real estate, but the the food culture here is really interesting. We I, I grew up eating a lot of like like Asian food, a lot of Vietnamese food, and a lot of you know there is a lot of good African spots here. I did grow up eating a lot of Ethiopian food as well. So it, it's super interesting how it is, but you don't see. There's not a lot of soul food. There's a lot of white people doing soul food here, which is really funny. Like very, you know, bougie ass versions of, you know, chicken and waffles and, uh, you know, maybe barbecue tacos or something. You know, it's just kind of weird, weird little, like, nice joints. Not rinkadink. Nice joints, but they're not really... And... There's not even that many, like, you talk about Caribbean food, there's really none. There's maybe, like, five places that total Caribbean food. There's maybe four places that are Ethiopian that I go to. I've only seen maybe two Nigerian places, and that's it. <laughs> like, and the biggest one uh, you might know is Ezel's Chicken, Oprah's Favorite Chicken or whatever. Yeah. Which eventually, you know, the owner got bought out and a lot of, so he started Heaven Sent and... So, a lot of, you know, you just don't see black business here. And that's, it's hard to create that type of culture when you don't even see a lot of your own people, especially middle class, black, you know, educated or semi-educated people here. So, but I mean, it's also interesting because another thing that, that happened that was very kind of like low-key race related as i would say or colorblind laws um they had this place called uh philly's philly's cheesesteak philly's best cheesesteak or something like that and it was in the central district and across the street is still earl's barbershop liquor store and a couple other businesses so a lot of brothers there back in the day when it was a lot more hood you know you'd see brothers selling a lot of weed and other shit too but mostly weed uh, you could go there and get your weed. And what what they did was they cracked down on that block 
got everybody off the block. There's still a couple, you know, people that, you know, hang out there, but they, they make sure they're not really doing anything because it's very surveilled now. And then they put a weed shop on that same corner that they're arresting all of our brothers at. <laughs> and they make wow. it, yeah. And so the place is called Uncle Ike's, which is one of the first dispensaries opened up in Seattle. And I really, I, I just can't buy my weed from there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, have you, have you, have you traveled? Have you been outside of, uh, uh, side of the South and kind of gotten any different perspective? Actually, um, actually I haven't, like, maybe the closest has been Missouri. Ooh. I like maybe a year or two in Missouri. I heard Missouri's real bad. Missouri? I heard it's I heard it's really bad. I encourage you, even though you kind of, like, I might sound like I'm discouraging Seattle. Seattle's a great city. Uh, it's just it's just the lack of color and uh, a lot of passive-aggressive. Like, it's very, it's very uh, Anglo-Saxon culture here. Very much so. Even amongst blacks, even amongst, it's very, like, classist and you know, be on your P's and Q's and always be respectful and polite. And that, I mean, that's the one kind of good thing I've, I've, I've gotten growing up at Seattle. And I, I realized that I'm kind of more polite than a lot of people from other places. So it kind of, it kind of plays out to my, my advantage, but it's also like a repressing thought as well. You know, I'm, I'm repressing a, a culture that's not, or I'm, I'm, I inherited a culture that's really not mine, um, but you know it, it does. It does help sometimes. It does help. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but you know we got weed here, and, and the views are so beautiful, and the drive. It's really only the people and the driving suck. Everything else about this place is great. So yeah, I encourage you to uh, check out the Northwest and. Uh, uh, before I wrap up, I was gonna say, do you got anything you're working on? Any projects, albums? I know I listened to a little bit of your last album. It was pretty hot. It was very hip hop oriented. Orientated. Um, I am. I'm actually working on a working on an EP right now. Um, six track EP that should be done and released on the 18th of July. 
the greatest um, weapon. Concept behind that is myself and a producer out of Panama City by the name of Tulio Mamaya Seven. Um, it's just our collaborative EP, and the concept behind the title is um, the greatest weapon to use in combating social injustice um, within the country, or greatest weapon to use with trying to combat ills within your mind is your voice. And so each title, uh, each song title, is some way of using your voice as a weapon to create change in your own spirit and will. Um, and then also, of course, myself and um, another rapper out of Pensacola um, by the name of FAMD. We started this um, series of like three song EPs that are put together in volume. Superhero music. Basically, we just take um, comic book superheroes that we love, um, so African melanated flavor, and create songs about these characters. Some of the beats from songs that have been popular within the last, you know, few months or last year or so. Already dropped issue number one of volume one, and that three song EP was T'Challa, Aurora Monroe, and Carl Bruton's Legend Work. Their superhero names Black Panther, Storm, Blue Cage. We actually used like their real names instead of the superhero name because the concept behind that is wanting us wanting regular people to understand. Okay, so I, I got one, one one last question for you. Um, why why do you think that the predominant super celebrity? Uh, I I like to bring up the Migos um, because you know they got some good songs, whatever, but they they seem to be on the wrong side of the positive side of the culture. But yet we still embrace these people, uh, the Kodak Blacks, the I mean, there's 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 thousands of you know uh, Stacy Dash. You know, there's thousands of people, and these people are still getting embraced. Whereas a lot of these good people aren't as famous. Do you you know what do you think about that? Um, I think it's more along the lines of right now we live in a right now we live in what I like to call a microwave generation, and you know when it comes to music. Um, people are going to gravitate more to stuff that they don't really have to necessarily think about, and people are going to gravitate more to stuff that they feel as though, oh man, like, you know, that's easy, I can do that too. That's why so many people that, like, when it comes to rapping, why so many people that really want to be rappers, whether it's that, that mainstream media and mainstream record label have pushed um, down the throat to where it can seem really had just quality MCs, quality artists um, within music, especially within urban music, 
hard work and it's something that you love and enjoy doing. Um, as far as like, you know, people like Stacey, Stacey Nash, Stacey Whitlock, and um, Al Sharpton. Okay, I like that message. You got you got any uh, any messages you want to put out there for uh, for I get out of here. Okay, yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your opinion, man. So we'll definitely have to get you back on here again. 
appreciate you all as well, man. Thanks for having me. All right, man. God bless you. Once again, for bumping this podcast, the Kitchen Couch Podcast, you can find me on all social medias. Go ahead and hit the follow button, you know, because I'm going to keep it all the way 100 real with you, and I'm going to give you those real ass opinions. I want to thank Victor Slick for coming on and showing his grace, and I also want to shout out to uh, Jamal Steele. Thank you, brother, for uh, shedding some wisdom on us. Song credits go to School School E D Living in the Jungle Keep on Moving Soul to Soul and Cut the Cake by Average White Band. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm out. <laughs>